Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird. The show is about philanthropy, entrepreneurship, positive thinking, and humanity. A show that will help you make that decision when that hour is upon you. Our guests share some of their experience, expertise, and stories during their decision hour. You get to hear what they're doing today and how it might help you here in the near future. My guest today, no different, doing a lot of great things in the community, and I'm going to bring him on here in just a moment. First off, I want to give a huge thanks to Heroes Media Group, all the great shows and sponsors of the network. To learn more about Heroes Media Group or how you can become part of the HMG family, simply go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. My guest for this episode, I am uh, honored to call him a friend. Uh, this guy is as badass as they get. Uh, he is a Army veteran. He is the um, founder and owner of Independence Training based out of uh, Arizona. Uh, and he is also the host of the Arms Room Show, which also can be found on Heroes Media Group. None other than Mr. Uh, Glenn Stilson. Glenn, how you doing? Great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate you taking time out of uh, your busy day. You bet. So, Glenn, let's jump right into it, buddy. Tell our listeners about you. So, as you already mentioned, uh, I'm the, the owner of Independence Training. Uh, I've been doing that almost a decade now. Uh, Independence Training is an emergency response training organization. We do firearms and emergency medical training. Uh, I'm also the, show, or the uh, host of the, the Arms Room Show. The Arms Room Show has been, I've been the host of it, I should say, for a little, maybe a little over three years now or something like that. And, uh, and I also manage a, a shooting range here in Arizona called Cowtown Range. So I'm pretty heavily invested into our industry and, and kind of our community of, of firearms and the firearms world. So it's a, pretty much what I do all day, every day. And you do quite a bit, I would say. That's I'm, for damn sure. I'm definitely. Doing You're always guy. on the road. <laughs> as long guy. as I've known you. So, so uh, tell us more about independence training. You, you say you work in the firearms for our listeners out there, mm-hmm. uh, firearms and, and medical training. What Correct. do you, what do you, focus on more or what do you what do you see your your clients or your customers finding more of well you know we're really first of all we're very practical applications so you know even though the majority of our <clears throat> excuse me uh, of our listeners or excuse me our listeners our uh, our instructors are military veterans or, or a couple of them are still uh, serving that's not our focus and sometimes in our industry that can become a big focus like you know someone was an xyz in xyz unit and that's and that's all that they focus on that's very that's a very anecdotal kind of narrow lane way of thinking so the way that we look at things is now we're mostly dads and we're mostly husbands and we're mostly community members so how do we take whatever skill sets we had increase them make them better get better get sharper every day get stronger every day and then take that information and apply it to our regular everyday life when, you know, I'm, it's 10 o'clock at night and I want to run to the to the Walmart for, you know, some freaking Oreos and milk or whatever. I'm going to throw in some shorts and some and some sandals real quick because it's freaking 100 degrees outside around here. And, uh, and I'm going to go to the store and I'm in the parking lot and something stupid goes down. How do I apply everything that I've done or all the, uh, the cumulative knowledge of our instructors into that environment? So that's really what we do. We're very, very practical about how we do things. Same way from emergency medicine. We call it, we do dirt medicine. Uh, dirt medicine to us is how emergency response or life-saving techniques are done in the field. So at a baseball game, at a vehicle accident, a concert, as we've seen recently, uh, you know, we're in a regular everyday situation. This isn't a battlefield medical situation. This isn't, you know, this, this uh, big giant natural disaster. It's just kind of everyday life. So for us and our instructors, we're very, very much into practical application of our skills. And we're very much into getting stronger, far, uh, uh, faster and smarter every single day. We're, 
We don't we don't lean on what we did a long time ago. Is my point. Do you um how often do you have do you find yourselves having a lot of new people that are are unfamiliar with firearms? Let's say you have somebody like a first timer mm-hmm. that's thinking about you know what um I see the importance of, of owning a firearm. Sure. I'm not really sure what. I've never really shot before. Do you walk them? I'm assuming you guys walk them through step by step. I mean, I, I know, but uh, yeah. for listeners out there that yeah, are, yeah. that may even want this, this training, first off, two-part question. One, yeah. how can people that are listening right now, how can they get a hold of you to schedule training? And then two, what type of training, uh, as you said, if they're like newcomers and stuff, what advice can you give them? Well, they can find us at trainingaz.com. Uh, that's our website. And then they can also find the Arms Room Show at thearmsroomshow.com, which is a very informative show about this kind of stuff that we're talking about. Um, Yes, we get basic level students. Most of those tend to end up being private training versus open enrollment. Open enrollment's great for if you're coming into kind of with an already basic knowledge and it's easier to absorb information about a topic if you know a little bit about the topic if you're incredibly brand new to the topic and this goes for any kind of learning right Mm -hmm. it's harder to absorb uh, information about that if i if i have no basis to draw from so we find that most of our basic level students who have never really done anything typically do better with private training and then we can do a lot more for them and we can focus more on them specifically a lot of times we'll bring out a couple dozen handguns for them to shoot or a couple dozen ARs for them to shoot or something like that. Then they have this huge variety to choose from. They can really learn about the system in particular. We do that for groups. We do it for families, you know, group of friends, all kinds of stuff like that. So we find that private training type organizations or or, uh, situations, and I don't mean just for one person. It can be for a whole group of people. So for basic level, we tend to recommend that over our open enrollment classes because open enrollment, I mean, we have to stay with the flow. Right. We definitely have a curriculum to get through. And and while we don't push people too hard during that, we do have to force or we do have to face that curriculum. Now, now when you say these these curriculums and this uh, open enrollment, as you put it, you guys put on like you guys have a class coming up here in like another week or two, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But you you guys do like uh, like basic handgun or um, basic carbine. I, sure. I don't think, I think it's the wrong name for it. Before, defensive uh, carbine. Defensive kind of carbine and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. So so are those like the, the type of open enrollment stuff that you're talking about? They are. So an open enrollment class is something that's open to everybody. Anybody who wants to enlist in a class uh, or enroll uh, in a class can, right? They, uh, they don't have to. <clears throat> Typically, most of our classes don't have prerequisites except for some of our higher level classes, but anybody can come into an open enrollment class. A private training is something where someone sets it up and only them or the people that they invite to the training are going to be allowed to participate. We train on average uh, 20 days a week or a month. I mean, uh, 15 to 20 days a month is pretty common for us. We're only teaching open enrollment stuff, you know, maybe four to six of those classes are typically open enrollment. So private training is a huge part of what we do. We do it for corporations and companies and groups of people and law enforcement, military units and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're pretty busy with training. And a lot of that is based more specifically about someone's needs. And you guys, you guys do travel. You, we you, travel you, all over the country. All right. So it's, yeah. it's, so those of you that are listening right now, it means you're already online. Open up another browser. And this is, I've actually had the privilege of taking a class. Uh, I took their, uh, Concealed carry. Concealed carry class, yeah. uh, Class. And it was about eight hours, five in the classroom, Mm -hmm. uh, three on the range. And I got to tell you, folks, this is, they go so in detailed of, of everything. And, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Glenn, Mm -hmm. but I think you see a lot of classes, 
maybe there's listeners out there right now thinking about taking a concealed class yeah. and they're like, Oh, I'm going to take this three hour class or this two hour class. Yeah. And you look at the curriculum, they're not learning anything. I mean, I can honestly say having sat through your class, you, you go over step by step. Here's, here's, here's the handgun. Here's how different ways to carry. Here are the laws and mm-hmm. your, you know, whatever area. If you, if you're traveling, here's websites and stuff that you can go to check the laws in the areas that you're going. I mean, you guys, Break it down to the yeah, freaking. We go key. into in class like that. We go into detail about what to you know what you can expect to experience during a violent altercation. What you can expect to experience after a violent altercation. How do I handle law enforcement? How do I handle the legal system? What are some of those considerations I need to make? Um, we go pretty in depth into our programs. We we believe that. So let me take a step back for a second. Independence training is not like a cool name that we picked, right? It's something that really means to something to us. And the eagle is our logo, and the eagle means a lot to us from a lot of aspects. And one of those aspects is, to us, it is a great symbol of independence. And for independence, you have to follow our, our company ethos, which is confidence, self-reliance, and American spirit. To us, that ethos equals true independence. And so independence is not just independence for our instructors to be able to do what they want to do in instructing and teach people what they want to teach, not to be held in the confines of, of preset textbook type you know, curriculum. Right. But it also helps us to give independence to our students to help them learn what we know. Because we understand that our students know a lot about whatever it is that they know. And they then can turn around and give us more independence by teaching us about what they know. The majority of professional services I use these days are my students. That's a hell of a network to have. You know what I mean? I mean, like if I need signs made, I have a student who does that. My dentist is a student. I mean, like everybody that I use professionally, shouldn't say everybody, for the most part, people I use professionally are some kind of student because they're good at what they do. I'm good at what I do. So they come to me when they need that. You build that trust. they're what they do. So I go to them when I need that. Yeah. That to me is great. It's, It's the perfect example of a type of independence where- one, it's a great network, but it creates in us the ability to be open to receiving new information, to increase our self-reliant capabilities. And, and so for us, when we look at training and how we offer information, how we build and design our classes is very, very, very important to us. We are not just spitting out information or, or pulling information out of nowhere, just regurgitating something we heard once upon a time and some prior life as an XYZ in an XYZ unit. We really want to give our students the best, most current, most efficient, most effective concepts and techniques that are available on the market today. We are constantly training. We are constantly learning. To us, that is the independent lifestyle, and that's that's kind of what we try to promote in all of our training. Again, folks, if you're listening to this show, it means you're already online. Open up another browser. Go to trainingaz.com. Yep. Or you can also, if you want to listen to uh, some of their shows, they go over this stuff on a weekly basis every Monday from 10 to 11. You can hear it live or you can download their podcast. Go to thearmsroomshow.com as well. Uh, they're, they're pumping out good content. Like Glenn, Glenn's been doing this for, for over three years, doing the show for over three years, and, and then independence training for about a dozen, a little over a dozen years now. Uh, right, almost right around a decade, actually. Yeah. yeah. So um, my next question, Glenn, is how often should people be training? Well, to kind of learn, understand the learning process, there's training, which is when we're building new concepts, techniques, understanding new ways to do things. And then there's practice, right? So what people need to do is they need to go out and get good training to 
train them how to practice, practice okay. right? Uh, and then they need to be practicing. And understanding also that practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So crappy practice makes crappy permanent, right? right. So if I am practicing a whole bunch of stuff that isn't necessarily the most efficient way to do it, training is where I find that out, right? Mm. So I go to training, I get good concepts, I get good techniques. I, I Sometimes you don't know what you don't know, and right. training can help you reveal that. And then you take what you've learned now in training. So for I'll use a, a firearms class, for example. If I'm doing a, a holster presentation or drawing from my holster and have a certain grip, and I've been doing that for the last 10 years, I go to training and find out there's a more efficient, more effective way to do it. That one or two or three-day training class is not going to be enough to correct that that behavior in me or to change that. So now I have to practice. How often should, we be, should people be practicing? Uh, as much as they possibly can. Practicing is a lot like physical exercise. Um, no one's going to hold you accountable for it necessarily. You right. just got to set it in your mind that you're going to do this thing. And it doesn't like physical exercise. It doesn't take a lot to do it. You know, I can hit the gym for 20 or 30 minutes a day and quite honestly stay in pretty dang good shape. Uh, if I practice with my handgun for the same 10 or 15 minutes a day, that's it. Then I can become much more efficient and effective. And then when I go out to live fire training, so when I'm saying practice, dry practicing, meaning practicing with an unloaded firearm um, in typically comfortable conditions to get the muscle memory down, to correct concepts or, or behaviors that I was doing before. Now, when I go out to do live fire training, which really doesn't have to be that often, once a week would be great, but once a, me a, a month would be sufficient. I want to I point something out there, folks. The key word there, and that was, was dry fire, uh, unloaded, <clears throat> yeah. like uh, before you go to the range. So there's Basically, if you if you wanted to look at it technically, there's like two different practice sessions. There is. There's a dry dry fire, right? Yeah. And then live fire when you go out to the range and actually and actually do it. And when I think dry fire immediately, because I remember in the class drawing from a holster, and I, I had a hard time at first doing it, mm -hmm. and and then I remember even even nowadays I'll I'll find myself maybe once a week just a couple times practicing in the mirror mm. looking at myself in the mirror going through the motions and watching yourself am I doing this right right I mean think about basic training right what did we do before we hit the live fire rifle range for like a freaking week what yep. did we do it was all dry fire we dry, dry fire. fire yep we got into position we laid in position we did canteen drills dime drills all those it, fun it things it develops right? that muscle memory nonstop right? so that when we got to the live fire range we were now validating what we did dry right so live, we didn't have to do a lot of live fire in order to to make things work. We already did that all that in dry practice. Right. Right. So we've done it all in dry, and then we go to live. And that's that's kind of how we do everything. When we teach combatives, when we teach medicine, uh, all those things, it's all the same concept. Dry practice or what I'm doing under comfortable environments to make sure I'm getting the technique and concept down. Then when I go do live practice, which is when I go into uncomfortable environments and practice it, that's my validation that what I'm doing in practice is actually working and is effective and efficient. And then if I find out, oh, wait, this isn't working, if I'm pressure testing it and it's not working, then I need to go back to the dry practice world and find out what I'm not doing. It's no different than we do in combatives, right? Right. We go roll in the gym. That's dry practice. Right. Okay. We're rolling in the gym. We're being, we're being, uh, you know, non-compliant, but also really not very heavily competitive, right? So right. we're being non-compliant with, you know, we're, we're resisting the other guy, uh, but we're only being slightly competitive. The other person is, we're allowing them to get some moves on us. They're allowing us to get some moves on them. We're learning, does this work? Then we go to a match, we go to a competition, or God forbid, we get into involved in a real fight. 
that's a validation right. that what we're doing is actually works. Now we go into a competitive environment, a uncomfortable environment, and we see if what we were practicing actually works. works. Let me switch up uh, the tone here a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Um, let's say you got a listener that's l- looking to for just wants something family man. He's got a wife, a couple kids at home, just wants something because it would make him feel safer knowing that they have something in the house. Sure. Do you go with the shotgun? Do you go with the handgun? Is there a, is there a, uh, anything that you would recommend? Does it, does it, does it all depend on the person? I mean, I'm assuming there's probably a lot of variables that fall into play there, but what do you suggest? I think it's pretty circumstantial. Honestly, I think for most people, uh, a handgun is probably one of the best options. And the reason I say that is it is really the civilian's defensive tool. We can carry it with us anywhere for the most part, legally, obviously, check your laws, know your laws, get a concealed weapons permit that helps you. Um, But you can carry it with you. You should become very intimately familiar with your farm. You should know it in and out. You should know how how to take it apart, how to dissemble it, how to work with it, what ammo it likes the best. Uh, trying different holsters out. You should go do training and then practice a lot. I think a handgun is a really great tool because it can be used in close quarters relatively easily. It can be used single-handed relatively easily. There's a lot of myths and misconceptions about, you know, home defense shotguns and what they're capable of and what they do and, you know, pumping the slide scares away bad guys and, and, uh, you know, buckshot has this giant pattern that blows people in half and all that is not true, right? Um, So, like in other aspects of our lives, in self-defense, we tend to project our reality onto other people, right? right? So we tend to go like, oh, because I wouldn't want to get shot with a shotgun. I assume that people, you know, who go out of their way to like break into my house and stuff, who obviously don't think like me, act like me, they didn't grow up like me, they don't live like me, they don't work like me, they have nothing in common with me, but for some reason they're going to react the same way I react. That doesn't even freaking make sense. Right. Right. So uh, be very careful about falling into that whole miss and misconceptions thing. The shotgun is a really great tool. The very versatile piece of equipment. There's a lot I can do with it, but it requires more training uh, than people give it credit for. They go, Hey, you just load the shells in, point it at something and shoot. Um, if you've ever tested buck- buckshot pattern, you'll find you'll miss a lot with shotguns, even yeah. at close distances, because especially at close distances with things like buckshot, which should be used for self-defense applications. Um, you can miss, you know, most shotguns, Fairly most typical shotguns, <laughs> shooting typical off-the-shelf buckshot, you know, at typical home distances, which we're going to say room distance is typically 12 to 15 feet. Um, and, and again, I'm using the word typical a lot here because there's a lot of stuff that happens outside the law of averages. Right. But um, inside your inside your room, even or inside your home, even out to, let's say, 20 feet or 25 feet, most of these buckshot patterns are only the size of your fist, maybe the palm of hand. They're not that big. So you can absolutely miss with one if all you do is just point it in the general direction and pull the trigger. So uh, I think that there's a lot more, you know, shotguns are heavy. Um, they're more wieldy, especially a pump action shotgun. There's a lot more physical action that goes into it. Uh, I think handguns are really one of the best tools. They are not the most violent as far as energy on target. If I'm trying to make someone go away and mm-hmm. change their behavior appropriately, I would rather have a rifle or a shotgun any day over a handgun. But a handgun is a much more capable tool, uh, and I can use it in a lot more circumstances with less training, I think. Yeah. What I've seen. Easier close quarters. Easier close quarters, yeah. easier single-handed, things like that. I don't have to worry about recoil as much. Uh, I don't have to worry about someone reaching out and grabbing the end of the barrel as much. Um, there's a lot more capabilities there. And again, it's very circumstantial. I mean, uh, a rifle may be better for some people in their home defense situation. It really does depend on their circumstance. But I think that every good freedom-loving citizen should own a handgun, carry it as much as they can, and become very, very familiar with it because it's the tool they're most likely to have quick access to. 
AZTraining.com. Training AZ. Or, excuse me, TrainingAZ.com and TheArmsRoomShow.com. Uh, show is called The Decision Hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I ask all my guests this. Uh, give us the, give the listeners a time in your life where your feet were on the line. You had to make that decision, whether it was to join the military, get out of the military, start your business, whatever. But explain to us uh, that hour and what the atmosphere was like for you. Man, I think probably the the scariest thing I ever did was start my own business. Um, you know, when I joined the military, I was 17. I was pretty stupid. I was young. I was naive. So I was just like, this seems like a good idea. I want to go foreign lands and kill the enemies of my country, right? So it seemed like really easy choice. Um, getting married, having kids, doing all those other important decisions where most people were like, oh my gosh, like when I married my wife, I was, we were literally driving down the road and I was like, hey, we should get married. I'm a big romantic, you know? And so I'm yeah. like, hey, we should get married, right? And she was like, yeah. And I go, look, I don't want to play this game of where I go to the freaking jewelry store and I try to like rack my brain trying to pick the ring you would like. Because as it turns out, the ring I was going to buy her, she didn't like, yeah. right? So we go to the jewelry store. I'm like, you pick out, you pick out whatever ring you want. I'll pay for it. Just pick out whatever ring you want. It's a ring she still wears today. She's perfectly happy with it, right? I don't have to worry about it anymore. So I'm, uh, that's, that's who I am. I'm that kind of person. Right? You want to? All right. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So like big decisions like that, uh, you know, like having kids get, uh, my wife's like, uh, yeah, I'm pregnant. Okay. Well, there's the decision. I don't, make, I don't have to make this decision, right? It's already been made for me. So though there's all these like big decisions that a lot of people worry about in their life that I, I don't know. They just kind of flowed in my life. Naturally for you. Yeah. Just kind of naturally. There was a huge turning point in my life. Um, so um, I, I got out of the military. I had planned on the military as a career. Uh, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to because of a, of a medical discharge. And I'm like, crap, you know, what, what am I going to do with my life now? I, I didn't know. I literally didn't know. Um, so I went to construction, which is what, you know, I grew up doing with my dad. And, and that was okay. It's a good job. And I, I love being outdoors. And I love hard physical labor. I enjoy it. Uh, and I liked it. And I liked the job. And it was a great way for me to make a living for my family. But for me, I didn't see a, f- a big future in me for that. And there was a, a huge turning point where as I started getting involved in the training world and I'd started taking some classes, I'd started assisting with some classes, I'd started doing some training on my own outside of kind of a professional environment, we'll say. And I really found this passion that I had for teaching people. And I really found this, this love, this real honest to God love that I had for sharing information and watching people get more independent and watching people get more self-confident in themselves. I loved watching that. To me, firearms and medicine is just a way that I can help people become more confident in themselves. I see that confidence flow into other aspects of their life. I've seen our students, a lot of them, go on to do other great things because of the exposure they had with me and our team. We have an amazing team of instructors that all think like I do. And so, I had started working, uh, you know, kind of in this world. And I thought, man, I, I think I could do this. And I'll tell you who was a, a huge influence at this time in my life, who honestly, as much as I love her, hadn't been a huge influence up to this point in other aspects of my life. She wasn't a big influence for, on me in school. She wasn't a big influence on me in the military. She wasn't a big influence of that. But she became a very big influence at this very critical moment in my life was my mom. And uh, she actually said, you know, I really think that you were that you were made for this. I really honestly believe as your mom that this is what you were you were born to do that you were born to 
teach people, and uh, and she really wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and, uh, Did it surprise you? It did, kind of. You know, I mean, my mom's always been supportive. My mom's a great mom, right. where she's always, oh yeah, honey, yeah, oh you want to play baseball? Okay, play. Oh you want to? Oh you want to do this? Oh you want? Oh that's great. You just just do whatever you want, honey. I'll support you. She's a very very supportive mom. She came to all my baseball games. You know, she she always supported me in whatever I did, even when I was making dumb choices. I knew she still loved me, right? So it didn't surprise me that she supported me, but it surprised me about how much energy she put into really driving this. Like she was like, I, I've seen you do a lot of things so far in your life, none of which I really thought you were born for, but you were born for this. And um, and you you can do this well. And I thought, man, I've never done my own business before. This is kind of scary. I'd gone through some business classes in college um, as I switched my, my major from criminal justice, which like all – Guys that got out of the military, I'm like, oh, you're a cop, right? <laughs> and then I went to the criminal justice program, and I was like, being a cop blows, right? And uh, so God bless all you police officers out there. And uh, and then I'm like, you know, so what am I going to do next? So I switched my major over to business, and I started entrepreneurship and business law and accounting and all this kind of stuff. And and, uh, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with that information. I just thought it would be handy to have. And I really applied that initially in the beginning, but my mom was a huge deciding factor. And really what it came down to was – the uh, the construction industry was in a dive at this time uh, in late late two thousands. It was in a total dive, and uh, it was I was having a hard time paying the bills. I was doing a lot of side jobs. You know, I'd go to my regular job in construction, and there was probably three, sometimes three days out of the week they didn't have any work for us. Um, it was really bad. And at the time, I was living in a really small town. Um, it was very tough. And so I was doing a lot of side jobs. I was going and, and working for other people, doing random handyman types of like anything I could do just to pay the bills. Cause I had a young family, you know, I'm a wife and kids and I'm trying to make this happen. And I'm just, man, really struggling. My mom's in my ear, you know, you need to do this, you need to do this. And so finally I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Um, I had $400 to my name, right? I had 400 bucks when I started my business. Uh, all my bills paid for that month. And four hundred dollars, <laughs> you know what I mean, and uh, and that was all I had, and uh, and I just started doing it, and literally I I got incorporated as a business. Um, I'd already been teaching a little bit for some other people, so I kind of knew what I was stepping into. Um, I got some a couple certifications that I felt might kind of help me out a little bit and get some insurance and things like that. Um, I started my business. I got incorporated. Um, after I did like the incorporation and things like that, I was basically broke. Um, started teaching classes. Um, I, at that point I was done with the construction trades because everybody I knew, the guys I'd worked, the guy I was working for went out of business and I went and contacted other guys I'd worked for in the past. They were either at shit. One of them was working at Home Depot. You know what I mean? Other guys were either out of business or were working out of town. I didn't want to do that at that time in my life. Um, so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and there was my mom the whole time kind of pushing me. You know, and my dad was super supportive too, but my mom was definitely a driving factor. And that was a big decision for me of, okay, I can go and I can keep making, you know, 25 bucks an hour doing this, this concrete stuff, which is what I was doing. Um, you know, I was a, a, a foreman. I can go do that. I can go out of town. I can make good money and get my travel pay and all that. Be gone from my family. I can do that and I can make a good living. I can do something I enjoy. I don't love, but I enjoy or I can do this really terrifying thing, which is starting my own business, which has zero guarantees. In fact, the biggest guarantee you have in business is that you're going to not make it. Right? <laughs> That's like the biggest guarantee is you're probably not going to make it, you know? 
And uh, Try again. <laughs> yeah. And so I had some really, really solid friends of mine who were great business mentors of mine uh, in the beginning that helped me to avoid a lot of pitfalls right. where they would see me start to do something and they pull me aside and say, you need to change this. You need to do that. You need to maybe think about this. And they were great business mentors and they're still friends of mine today and still mentors of mine today. And they, and they're phenomenal guys. Now I look at where we are today. Um, from there, it is a long, hard road. It's, uh, it's been missing family events. It's been working on holidays. It's been, Long, long days in the sun and the wind and the rain and the, you know, we've never canceled a class for weather. So I've trained when it's 120. I've trained when it's 10 degrees. I've trained in the middle of snowstorms, rainstorms, sandstorms. Uh, I've trained all over the country. I've trained in some crazy environments. I've trained in some great units. I've trained with some great agencies, some amazing, amazing people that I've met all over this country. Uh, it's been traveling. It's been time. It's been heartache it's been success it's been failure um and it all just kind of keeps moving forward a lot of it i attribute to the quality of the team that i've that that i shouldn't say i that we have built over the years uh, our instructors are phenomenal phenomenal people uh, who all have their own personal goals of getting better stronger smarter faster i don't think you could fit in with our team if you were stagnant um and uh and though that's been a huge huge part of our success over the years, um, a lot of it's just moving forward, man. I mean, the arms room show, we say, nobody cares, work harder, right? And that's, yeah. that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what I've done. You know, I, I kind of live by this, uh, this idea of, um, you know, we, we've certainly collected haters over the years. We've, we've collected people who don't like what we do or how we do it. Um, a lot of them are threatened by our success, which is fine. So I kind of live by this motto of, uh, losers focus on winners, and winners focus on winning. Yeah. And so every day through fear of failure, I just keep focusing on winning. I tell you what, folks, this is such an amazing story of this guy right here. And and I, I, I can't say how blessed I am to know him as long as I have. Uh, trainingaz.com. Mm. Uh, every Monday, listen to the Arms Room Show. The Arms Room Show Dot com. You have to check check them both out. And if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking about taking a class or learning more about it, reach out to Glenn. His team is phenomenal. Like I said, I I personally have taken a class with them. I've shot with these guys. Absolutely, he taught. He's so good. He is. He teaches you so good that he will teach a guy who has got experience. Did our okay at best the entire class, and then when it came down to the last shot almost puts the bullet in the same hole that he shot his and that's how good he teaches i i didn't do it it was it was his training that got me to do uh, that I, I ended up getting best shot best shot of the class you did you got top shot award yeah, top shot award that class and uh and and i don't it, it had nothing to do with me it was all the training that i got from these guys and and i've gone out and i've shot on the range and he brings out some pretty cool toys he's, he's taught my son had my son shooting uh uh long range uh, the 50 cal mm mm-hmm. And my son still talks about it today. So listen, trainingaz.com, uh, thearmsroomshow.com. Glenn, one last question for yep. you real quick. Somebody that's listening to the show right now, and their hour is upon them. Mm. It's time for them to make a decision. What advice do you got for them? Man, um, advice that would fit just about any situation I could think is uh, you were made to do greater things than you 
can even understand that you were made to do. So how, however, whatever wall you are coming up against, uh, you were born to get through it and you were born to overcome this regardless of what circumstances or what disabilities um, or what mentality or what whatever you think you're coming up against, uh, you were born to do great things. So just do them. Great advice by a great man, folks. Love it. Thanks, Glenn. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Folks, Glenn Stilson, make sure you check him out. That's uh, Independence Training. Go to trainingaz.com. And then you got to listen to the Arms Room Show arms room show the arms room show.com and it's on every monday uh check out the website you can listen to it live uh so make sure you check them out folks that's all the time i got but real quick big again got to give a shout out to the network heroes media group check out all the great shows including the arms room you can find them over there and uh and the sponsors and if you are thinking about doing your own show or being a part of the hmg family go to www.heroesmediagroup.com until next time thanks for listening to the decision hour